0: All right, watch out for exploding brains tonight, so that's cool. Well, it takes, it took two, you said two minutes in or ten minutes in? It's like, it's not like when you listen to Bill Johnson, it's two seconds in and your brain explodes, so I'll still work on it and see if I can explode brains quicker. Uh, so that's cool. I, I, really, it's actually biblically true that in order to make a major change in the church, uh, Peter had to get out of his mind. He had to have his mind blown. Uh, he had a trance. Now, word trance is ecstasia, which means to literally be out of one's mind. So if you want to have the mind of Christ, first you've got to have your mind blown, uh, and, and that's true. So hopefully, Jesus, blow my mind tonight. Everybody, put your hands on your head. Say, Jesus, Jesus. blow my mind, blow my mind. <laughs> and give me yours. <laughs> I'll turn to the person next to you and say, you're already out of your mind, so... <laughs> All right, That's. that's good. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes uh, um, before you can have a righteous thought, you have to have a ridiculous thought, it's, uh, because you have to think so differently, like Jesus asked his disciples, "Who do you say that I am?" And they came up with the ridiculous answers. "You're Elijah, you're John the Baptist come in the flesh. That's absolutely ridiculous because John the Baptist was a contemporary of Jesus. He's a cousin of Jesus. He smelled like camels. (laughs) He just totally different guy, had his head chopped off. That's a ridiculous thought. You know, Jesus' response to that ridiculous thought, absolutely nothing. He said, well, who do you think I am? Because actually he was trying to ask some questions to get them outside of their, their average thinking. And so at least they were thinking crazy if he can get you thinking crazy, he can get you thinking like Christ. <laughs> so, and so some people, they just sound like they're crazy, and they are crazy, but they're on their way to thinking like Christ, so that's good. And on your way to thinking like Christ, sometimes you just have to have a thought that seems crazy. In fact, people ask me a lot of times, you know, in prophetic ministries, there are ever a time when you're saying something, and you're like, I don't know if that's me or God. I said, no, that's never happened to me, not since the last time I prophesied. <laughs> Happens every time. And many times there's that voice inside of you going, you're crazy, you're crazy. Like, uh, that's insane. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. No, no, no. And you, you, that voice never really goes away because it's the voice of your natural mind. It's not really the enemy. The greatest voice that you'll battle is not the enemy's voice. It's the voice of the natural mind. It's the voice of what seems right to a man. The way that seems right to a man eventually leads to destruction if it's not the thinking of heaven and so uh, i believe that god does want to, want us to to think differently and tonight we're going to think differently i really feel like there's a great atmosphere for freedom and I almost felt like, like the Lord really wants to deliver people, but he wants to deliver you with joy. Like he wants to deliver you into something, not, not just freedom from something, but freedom into something. And I've, I really feel like people are going to get set free from stuff. But you, and I'm not, like, I'm not huge into like announcing that we're going to you know, go after demons tonight, because then people start getting really intense. Like, Either you get the people like, oh no, one of these churches, or you get the other people like, oh, finally, a real church where we go after demons. And I, I, grew up in the, I grew up in the area of the church where we didn't know the, about that stuff. My parents uh, had a ministry to young adults they brought into our house. And uh, so there were really troubled young people that we brought into our house. And I used to make a joke that when you came to our house for dinner, we didn't have dessert. We had demons. <laughs> because for some reason, demons would always manifest like I guess after the blood sugar goes up, the demons come out or something. I have no idea. But they would manifest after dinner. So we would have deliverance on the kitchen table after dinner. And, um, and there were always these deaf and dumb spirits, which meant that they couldn't hear very well. He said, to scream at them. and they were dumb. They couldn't come out unless you kicked them and hit them. And so (laughs) it was, Deliverance ministry was really intense in those days. It was really not happy ministry, but Jesus taught it really happy. He sent his disciples out, said, go uh, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. It was the last thing he said, actually. He said, preach the message of the kingdom, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. They came out, what's the first thing they talked about? Casting out demons. They came back all excited. And he's like, did the dead get raised? I don't know, we don't know, demons submitted to us. That's what Peter said, demons submitted to us. And then he tacks on dot, 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 in your name. <laughs> I think he was just really excited A demons submitted to him, you know. And, he, and Jesus, he didn't pop their bubble, he didn't burst their bubble, he didn't try to bring them down a notch. He just laughed. The Bible says Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit and joy said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And he's laughing as he's talking about the greatest deliverance service that was ever was. The devil got cast out of heaven. And I, I picture Jesus actually do it, saying something like this. Yeah, I saw Satan fall down, go boom. Like he was uh, kind of belittling the fact that it wasn't even tough. It didn't take that long. It wasn't a great cataclysmic battle in the heavens. It was just like, what? Are you crazy? Get out of here. You know? And he did it with joy. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and joy. I think a lot more people would get a lot more freedom if a lot more deliverance ministers had a lot more joy. I think a lot more people would get a lot more freedom if a lot more deliverance ministers had a lot more joy. I know, it's terrible. It's terrible grammar, but it's wonderful theology, so... So that's cool. So we're going to have a fun time tonight. Um, I just want to release some prophetic words here. And so we'll test out how this goes. Um, is there a Jenny or a Jenna? You may or may not be on the right side. And if you're not, then you're not on the, then you're on the, not on the correct side. Jenna? Is there a Jenna? A oh, Gina? I said Jenna, but nice try. Are you, are you, is there a Jenna on the right side? And you're Jill you're Jenna and you're on the right side yeah. you're also on the correct side yeah. I prophesied to you last night yeah. what did I say to you I'm sorry I, I have a really short attention span yeah oh you're the one I gave the book to oh you okay and what did I say I said something about somebody told me you wrote a song Like they told me after that. They're like, yeah, that was right. I said, of course, I'm right. I'm a prophet. (laughs) Okay, so now I have your name. This is weird. Okay, so just in case, is August 12th mean anything to you? That's okay. Good, okay, that's fine. So I'm still learning, I'm growing. So Jenna, so am I supposed to give you another word now? Oh, okay, let me try. Oh, here's what I said last night though. And I kind of tagged it on. Are you learning Spanish? No, are you learning a foreign language though? Are you, do you but you do write songs. Okay, but you haven't learned a language yet. So you will. So that's the prophetic part. You see the writing songs part, I thought it was a prophecy. It was actually a word of knowledge because it's already happened. And it's a prophecy because it's going to happen more. And you, they, they told me that you, they sang one of your songs last night. That's pretty Cool. Oh, this is more of a personal moment, so I'm just finding this stuff out, because it's, it's like Jenna, I own her name. Okay, this is really weird. Okay, so here's what I feel like that God, God wants you to know, that there's more than just a writing gift in you, but I think there's, really, there's a lot of music in you, too, and I feel like there were some things you started when you were younger that you kind of... Did you ever play the keyboard and take your hands off the keyboard? Stop taking your hands off the keyboard. Put them back on the keyboard, okay? So like you were about 10-ish? Yeah? So when you stopped or when you started? Um, maybe. When I... You're like two years. You took them for two years? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So you were 10 and you ended at 12, no? I started playing
1: guitar at 12. I'm not sure when I started or ended
0: piano. Did you start piano before guitar? Yeah. And you stopped piano when you started guitar at 12, so I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're just figuring this out. Okay. So you started guitar. You still playing guitar? Okay, good. Don't stop playing the guitar. Just stop, stop playing the piano. Stop stopping the piano. Okay. So you can do the guitar and the piano because you're going to need all that stuff for the, for the writing and stuff you're going to do because you think you just write lyrics, but you write music too, right? And so did you collaborate? Did you collaborate on this, on a song, some songs you sang? I haven't heard the song yet because you sang it before I got here. They told me this morning. When did you tell me? This morning? Last night after, okay. So they I didn't hear it. Yeah, so other people, yeah. I'd like to hear it. That's cool. Did you write just the lyrics or the music? Uh, no, we worked on it together. It okay. Just the Collaborative. Okay, but you need to start writing music to stuff. Okay, cool. So when you were little, did you do this like um, sing show tunes and stuff like that? Like, uh, like lyrics to like commercials and... Re- are you her mom? No, you're her mom. Okay. Sorry, sister, friend, really good friend. I'm sorry. People, when you get my age, believe me, don't worry. Okay, whatever. There's no way to dig yourself out of that. Bless you. Okay. So you're the mom. (laughs) So, I hear her like singing like these silly songs as a kid. Basically, like uh, they're they're kind of like cartoon songs over and over again, repeating them or like um, oh commercial j- jingles, that kind of thing, right? All the time. Okay, okay. So I think what I'm saying to you is there's a, there's actually a. There's actually a, a sacred part of this and a secular part of this, which God doesn't even see the sacred and sep- secular separate, right? So there's like commercial jingles in you. There's like a YouTube channel in you. That's cool. Oh, there's a, that's really awesome. Like I see you doing even like just your own little YouTube channel, get a little following some of your songs. You're going to get picked up and used as jingles, and there's royalties that are going to come your way because God's been teaching you that you're royalty. So yeah, we just bless Janet in Jesus' name. Amen? Good. And like, good job on not saying yes to a relationship like a year or so ago that you said not yes to. That's really what I wanted to say. I just wanted to tag it in with the good stuff. So your mom told me to say that. No, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm a dad of two girls, so and I'm going to prophetically protective here. One of the things you want to do when you... Um, Walk in your identity is create an atmosphere uh, around you of who you are because you're called to change the atmosphere around you, not uh, not adapt to the atmosphere around you. The atmosphere should adapt to you. And so everywhere you go, in your school, your job, you should be able to shift the atmosphere. So one of the things my wife and I are really big on, my wife particularly, is atmosphere. And so I make a joke if I wanna watch like a guy movie because I have two daughters, wife, female dog. Lots of estrogen in my house, and so if I, if I wow, that was really delivered. See, people are getting delivered with joy tonight. It's awesome. So we, um, you know, if I want to watch a, a real movie with like explosions and things like that, I have I have these noise canceling, these headphones I put on, wireless headphones. Or if they go out of the house, then I can shake the walls and stuff. But most of the time, we just really create atmosphere of heaven in our house. So. Um, so we what we had kids that uh, when they were younger, my wife would would sing over them, and she put them to sleep, and she would we create an atmosphere for our children because I grew up. Uh in an atmosphere because of maybe because of my gifts I I heard voices that weren't God's voice I had nightmares night terrors we didn't want that for our kids so our kids have always had God dreams my wife made the cd several years ago for children it's called heaven made you it's just songs of identity from the father's heart to children create an atmosphere for children to hear God's voice and in in peace and rest actually we've had testimonies kids having nightmares night terrors uh being able to sleep well even parents being able to sleep better as well and uh, my wife just told me right before I left this there's um There's like a children's consignment chain around our area that um, the lady's not a believer, but she's agreed to put these in her store, and she sells out of them. She just sold out of them, and she she said, I don't know what happened. I just started listening to it, me and my business associate, and we just started crying, and we don't even, like, we don't believe what you believe, but there's something on this CD. So I always tell people, just as a disclosure, this is like, this has got a lot of Jesus stuff on it, but it really works. And so... I gave it to my chiropractor, and he said his kids were asleep before they got out of the driveway. So I just told him, be careful that, not that he doesn't fall asleep while driving, because this will help you sleep. Anybody have a child that's having trouble sleep? I'd love to give this to you. And yeah, can I give this to you? Awesome. This one is um, this one's called Healing Experience. It's one of our most requested CDs. It's probably the, one of the oldest ones we have out there. It's, we took all the healing miracles of Jesus, put them into spontaneous songs and prayers for healing. It's healing prophetic music. It's used in uh, nursing homes, hospitals, people that have gone through rehabilitation. We have uh, a testimony of a, a mom in Chicago. She had a six-year-old autistic child that she would play this 24-7 in her room. And in three months, she, she couldn't dress herself, wasn't potty trained, uh, couldn't write her name at six years old. In three months, she could do all three of those things because God says, I'll send my word and I will heal you. So a year into that, a year after that, she still started playing it. She wrote us and she said, I wanna let you know that God's word is really changing the life of our family and my child, but it's affecting her school. I took my child to school this year and the, the supervisor and the teacher said, I don't know what you're doing with your child, but she doesn't need to be in this class anymore, putting her in the main class. And can you tell us what you've been doing? Because she's completely changed. So she got, we sent her a bunch of copies and they played the instrumental part of this in their school classrooms. It's just an atmosphere of healing because the Bible says God sends his word and he heals you. So anybody have a a child or someone that you know, someone that has a child that has special needs that you could get this into their hands? Yeah, could I give this to you? Perfect. This one's called um, experience peace. It's for the atmosphere of peace. I call it healing experience for your brain. (laughs) It's basically uh, creating an atmosphere where you understand that God is at peace with your past. He's at peace with your present. He's at peace with your future. and He's bringing peace between you and him and relationships around you. Just six months ago we made this, but we hear a testimonies of people that experiencing peace in relationships, reconciliations in relationships, even the, uh, the producer who made this, a friend was over helping him mix it, and, uh, and he listened to it. He took it home because he was going through a, just some marriage strife, started playing it in his home, and God, he saw God rescue his marriage because God wants to bring peace between heaven and earth and between relationships. And so this is just creating an atmosphere of heaven. It's called experience peace it's Spontaneous songs and prayers for healing. Anybody know someone that's just going through maybe a family uh, difficulty, you get this in their hands? Ma'am, can I give this to you? I uh, bless you. This is my wife's newest worship CD. It's called Take Me In, Songs of Intimacy and Closeness with God, Thanks. Psalms, Hymns, and Spiritual Songs. Uh, anybody want some good worship music? All right. Sir, can you give this to the lady in pink right back there? <laughs> awesome. I got something for you. Don't worry, buddy. Um, I have a school back there, I have two schools of the prophetic, prophetic school one talks about how to hear God, different modes of communication, live exercises for hearing God, hindrances, removing hindrances from hearing God. There's filters we put in uh, to hearing God, take them out of the way. This one will tell you how to hear God more clearly for yourself and others. And then I have a second school, it's called School of Supernatural Purpose, and it's uh, two four CD packs. This one's called Discover Your Supernatural Purpose. And I believe that whenever we hear God's voice, it's to tell us who we are so God can give us something to do. He didn't come just to give us something to do. He came to reveal himself to us. Ephesians 1 said, God, I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You might know him and know the hope to your call, that you're called to. So prophecy is to help us to know God and then know the hope. To which you're called. So, what I want to do is give um, part one of the prophetic school and part one of the school of of supernatural purpose to someone who feels called to help people find purpose in life. Uh, Maybe someone who's a a coach. Anybody coaching, doing, uh, how about fitness coaching? Anybody do fitness coaching? Really? You do fitness coaching for real? I don't know. We just just typed it all out. You typed all out what? What I want to do. And you want to do fitness coaching? Okay, we'll give it to you, because I figure if I sow this to fitness coaches, then I might get in shape, because you reap what you sow. So, All right, so prophetic and life purpose. All right, God bless you. All right, and one more thing, I want to give a um, study guide to The Roar. That's my book on how to hear God's voice. I have a lot of churches that take their whole church through it, their prophetic teams through it, and this study guide has... Um, has nine chapters. The book has nine chapters. Each chapter has study guide points and questions that you can do as a group or as an individual. And then each day there's a scripture that you can go through, and each scripture talks about a different way that God speaks. So each day you can learn to hear God's voice. And at the end of each chapter, I give you exercises how to grow internally, vertically, and reach out to other people with God's voice. Prophetic exercises that you can do. So if you get this, I would say I can get inside your head every day for nine weeks and I can do a lot of damage okay (laughs) so uh, I'm gonna give this to someone who already has the book but you'd like the study guide and you haven't gotten it yet okay dude all the way back in the red can I give this to you you had the book the roar all right I'm gonna give this to you and um, yeah that's there perfect let me see you got a couple more is there Jerry are you Jerry is there a Jer- is there a Jerry on the right? You Jerry? Or is he just joking? Jerry Lewis. Okay, he's a comedian. <laughs> so you're Jerry over here. Okay. Are you Jerry in the back too, sir? Is someone Jerry with a J? Or you're both Jerry with a G. You're Jerry with a J as well. Or you guys are making this hard on me. You yeah. drill down a little bit. Does any of- either of you have the last initial D? Okay. So neither of you get a word. Too bad. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, let me speak to Jerry in the back here and I'll speak to you in a second. Jerry, Jerry, just bless you for your faithfulness. Uh, God just wants to bless you for your faithfulness. And I saw this picture of a this pillar. It's a, it's a, it's kind of like one of those pillars, but bigger. And a pillar is something that connects the foundation of the building to the ceiling. Obviously it's an architectural necessity, but it's also something in, in, um, that connects generations. And God wants to thank you for being a pillar in the in the church and a pillar in the body of Christ. And I feel like the Lord says you're positioned perfectly because you connect to the history, the foundation of things, but you also allow things to expand and to grow. And I feel like there were some things, you know, there was a there's a scripture in Isaiah 6 where Isaiah went to heaven and he saw the temple and the pillars were shaken. And when the presence of God comes into the temple, it seems like the pillars are shaking because things are changing in the church, but it didn't break. The pillars were shaken, but they weren't broken. The pillars were shaken, but the foundation stayed full, uh, stayed sure. The pillars were shaken, but it expanded the presence of God. And I feel like God wants to thank you for staying sure and secure and allowing uh, stability to stay in a place when the presence of God came and shook things. And there are some people around you that, when the presence of God came in and shook things up, they got shaken out. But you were allowed. You 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 stood strong, and you're going to allow the presence of God to be shaken up to a new level. And because you've been a pillar in the church, you're going to help bring back some of those people that were there in the foundational times in the church and restore them back to God. Because God's also making a promise to you that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children so picture a building like the foundation the the pillar and the and the ceiling this three generations god wants to promise you a three generational move of god in your family a three generational blessing and god's about to move in the whole in three generations of your church and god wants to bless you I also feel like there's a natural and a spiritual inheritance that God wants to release through you. And I feel like the Lord wants you to know you've been a great steward of what God's given you. And you've even been financially a giver to people that didn't know how to steward everything that they were given, but God wants you to know you didn't squander what God gave you. And even people who looked like didn't steward well what you sowed into them and gave them, you didn't give it to them, you gave it to God. And you won't fail to receive a reward for that and an eternal reward for what you've sown into the kingdom of God. And you'll see souls saved because of the prayers you prayed, the resources you've given, and the encouragement that you've given to people. And you'll see a generational blessing in your family. So thank you, Jerry, and God bless you. Amen? I, I just see the Lord put his hand on your on your heart, and it 's like this steady uh, beat on your heart and i 'm not projecting anything on you, but is there any time you have like even a, a heart palpitation or anything with your heart going on Sometimes. yeah is it, is there been a regular heartbeat occasionally or is it Okay, that's what, it, that's what it is. So could you just stand for a second for me? Just, just place your hand right on your heart. God, we just thank you. Lift the hand toward Jerry. We just say, God, we thank you that his heart is beating in tune with the Father's heart. And we declare right now, every bit of irregular heartbeat is coming into alignment with the heartbeat of God, in Jesus' name. We declare blood pressure is normalizing. We declare right now, in Jesus' name, any, anything that causes any imbalance or dizziness or internal imbalance is coming into alignment now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give God thanks. Amen? Amen. Does that make sense, Jerry? Does that, does that, does that make sense to you? Yes, sir. Awesome. Bless you, man. Uh, Jerry here, um, I just heard the Lord say you're, you're a, um, a good teacher and you're a discipler. And I saw the Lord putting like an advanced degree in the spirit over your head. And I, just, I feel like God is going to use you to raise up the church to a new level of understanding of their authority and their identity in Christ. And I, I feel like God's going to use you to restore... Um, the Spirit into places where there's been like a traditional um, wind that's blown through there. God's going to breathe a new wind on traditional churches and people in traditional uh, religious settings. I also feel that God is going to begin to use you to teach a new power in prayer to people who've kind of been, they prayed by knowledge, but they're going to pray by the Spirit. And, um, and I, I feel like there's something with you, an open door that's coming for you in, in the education environment where you're gonna teach people at a high level of education. God's gonna send you to intellectuals. He's gonna, he's gonna put people of high, high levels of education in your life. And you're gonna be one that's gonna not convince them through intellectual assent or intellectual argument, but convince them because of what God's done in your life. There's also, I feel like... Um, There's someone who used to. Did you have a family member pass recently within the last 18 months? Okay, because I heard these. Prayers, there was like these prayers that were coming out of of heaven. I feel like people who used to pray for you on earth are still praying for you in heaven, and God wants you to know that that there's a great cloud of witnesses that are going on before you that are cheering you on to finish your race, and that you're like picking up the mantle for what's been done in previous generations, and you're gonna finish what other people have started, and it seems like you're at a place where it looks like you're running out of steam, but you're actually getting your second wind. There's actually gonna be a, a second wind that's gonna come, and there's going to be an acceleration in the race that you're running. So we just bless you. In Jesus' name, Jerry. Amen? Amen. Cool. Awesome. Is there a Dan? Daniel? Dan? And is, does one of you, does January 21st mean anything to you? No? Dan? Dan? You're Dan also? Is there only two Dans? Okay. All right. I'll hit you both. Boom, boom, boom. Even though I have Dan on the right side, but I'll let you both. Dan, could you stand so I could just see you? Dan the man. All right. Um, Dan, I see these question marks all around you, and I feel like that you're a man who. Um, has a lot of questions for the Lord, but the Lord wants you to know he's not afraid of your questions. He likes your questions, and you're going to be one that's going to help to bring answers to people who've really questioned God. And one of the questions I see that people coming to you, if God is really good, why did this happen? If God is really uh, good, why is there suffering in the world? And I feel like there's strong theological, but yet philosophical questions that people are gonna going to wrestle with that you're gonna be able to come and answer, but not with just a, a, an argument, but actually with the character of God. And one of the things that I feel like that God's gonna answer for you He's not going to give you the answer, but He's going to give you the solution, and that is, I feel like there's people that you believed for, that you prayed for, that you didn't see breakthrough for prayer in, people that you believed for, even for physical healing, that you didn't see breakthrough, maybe even a terminal situation, that you really, you pressed in, and it's almost like the enemy's trying to put a question over your faith, like maybe you didn't have enough faith, or maybe you believe wrong, or maybe God isn't, doesn't heal in this way. And God wants you to know, He's removing the question marks, but, but he, the way He's doing it isn't by just answering your questions. It's by bringing the solution. And that is that he's going to pay you back seven times for what the devil stole. That he's going to pay back for what the devil stole. And prayers that you prayed for others that you didn't see answered, you're going to see in this next season God answered them seven times over in other people's lives because God's a God of justice. And his justice isn't just getting even, it's getting back everything that you lost plus interest. God's going to give you everything everything plus interest back in this next season. And I feel like that has to do... Not just with praying for people for physical healing, but I really feel like there's been areas of financial loss that God is going to restore. Like seven years ago, something you went through in, in, in financial loss, God's wiping the slate clean. And I feel like there's even like, even like a supernatural debt relief that's coming to you. God said, I'm just wiping the slate clean. And there's, there's coming even a new opportunity to start something new. And I don't know if it's already been started or it's going to start, but I feel like this is a father-son incorporated. There's like a new entity that God's forming that's gonna cause there to be blessing to your life and through your life to others. So just lift a hand toward Dan. Uh, We just thank you for restoration in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you. Even like Daniel, who spent 70 years in captivity, but he prayed for the restoration of what was lost in the temple, that he saw after seven years that completely restored, that God, after seven years, you can restore everything back and even with interest in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Dan, um, do you have a problem with one of your shoulders? Is there any, have you ever had an issue with your, one of your shoulders? I saw to put his hand on your left shoulder. Yeah, is there, is there anything going on with your left shoulder right now? Um, not right now? Not right now. What, did you have something that happened to it? I have okay, have you had it operated on or not? So it's doing fine now? You're not in pain right now? Good. We bless it. It's not going to have any pain. That's fine. So I really feel like that um, God is doing something in the area of restoring faith in, for the family in this, in this season. And I feel like that there's family members who had faith that lost faith that are about to regain it. And I just heard God say, just keep the faith. And um, I don't know why, but I, I smell... This is weird in the spirit. I smell like food. I feel like that you have a, you, your family has a grace to gather people like at the banqueting table of God and that God wants you to be like, he wants you to be like um a host for for the presence of God, and I feel like your home is going to be a place almost of like where you throw parties that people will come just for the food, but they're going to find the presence of God in that place. And uh, and I don't I don't know why, but I don't know if I smell Italian cooking or something. Maybe I'm just hungry, but I, I just feel like the Lord says like there's a big Italian feast in the spirit that God wants to that God wants to set, and it's going to draw family members um, back to God. So like set a big table. There, there's like a family reunion or something. I feel like God's sending it to a wedding. Is there a wedding in your family coming up soon? Anybody that you know of getting married? I just feel like there's something, just like the wedding feast of the Lamb, there's a, there's a, a celebration that would be like a natural celebration that's going to be a spiritual celebration for family members, and it's going to result, be a uh, resultant in family members coming back to God. And who's this lady next to you? That's nice. She's a nice lady. <laughs> okay. The Lord said to tell you you're you're stubborn and that's good. Like like you're persistent in your prayer. Like you're like Jeremiah, where God said to Jeremiah, I'm gonna make your forehead harder than their forehead. And God wants you to know because you've been so persistent and you haven't the devil has not been able to wear you down. You've weared the devil, you've worn the devil down, and you've worn him out. That's what I heard him say. He wanted he thought he could wear you down, but you wore him out. You wore him out. And And there was a time when the devil tried to come against you that you didn't even think you would survive. But God wants you to know you're more than a survivor. You're an overcomer. And you're going to help people that have gone through situations that were hard to survive to be an overcomer. And I saw you even having like a real grace with people um, that are like, even cancer survivors and going through cancer, that you're going to be one that's going to bring hope to people that look like they're in hopeless situations. And you're going to be one that's even going to crush the demon of cancer in people's lives. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Deal. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just going to give you a little word here tonight. We're going to do some more ministry at the end. And... Um, Tomorrow, I have a message for the church. If you're not from this church, uh, we c- of course, encourage you to go to your home church, but this is an awesome place to play hooky if you are going to play hooky from your church. <laughs> so, um, uh, I have a message called, now it's, "Now it's Time for Now Favor. And I believe that some of you that God wants to, to really accelerate where you're at in the spirit. And uh, tomorrow, I want to release that. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. One of the most profound, yet sometimes confusing chapters as well. Let's just go right to the end of it. Verse 21. We're probably going to look at the passage 14 through 21, but I just want to look at verse number 21 because you guys probably will know this passage. This is Apostle Paul. Paul who's a, just a genius. Uh, I mean, he's literally a genius. Trained under Gamaliel, one of the best teachers under the Old Covenant. Pharisee. New languages, memorized scrolls. Has a great way to communicate things very clearly, but sometimes so profoundly, you can miss some of it. So we're going we're to cut to the chase here. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin, talking about Jesus, God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. God made him who had no sin to be sin. So God made him who had no sin to be sin. Jesus didn't just take your sin. He became sin. So he didn't just take your sins on the cross and, and, and he took them all away. we sing the songs, like he took, the, he took my sins away, he took my sins away. He keeps me singing every day. Hallelujah. Well, maybe you didn't grow up in that church. That was my church. We used to sing it like this. He took my sins away. He took my sins. 4-4 four, four timing. I learned that. I went to Bible school to learn this. Yes, I did that. When I was a youth pastor, they made me do it. He didn't just take your sins away. He became what your sin was. He became sin so you could become something. What did you become? It says, He made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. We might become the righteousness of God. So he became sin so you could become the righteousness of God. You became righteous. Now, finish this scripture for me because most of you know this. He who became, he who knew no sin became sin for you so that you could become the righteousness of God. But the Bible also says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So, which is it? Did you become the righteousness of God or is it something that you're supposed to seek to become? Seek first the kingdom of God and. His righteousness, which means seek his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And he who knew no sin became sin for you so that you could become the righteousness of God. It seems like it's a paradox. It's not paradox because God's not paradoxical. He's not either or. He's inclusive. He's both and. Which means that you are and have become the righteousness of God and you are still seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. So righteousness is both something that you have become and it's something that you seek to live out in your life. It's something that you've been given freely by God, but it's also something that you're seeking. You, you say, well, that doesn't make sense. If, I, if I'm righteous, then I'm righteous. So that's true. But just because you're righteous doesn't mean you're mature. You could be righteous and stupid. If you have teenagers, you know that's true. <laughs> you could be righteous and still be growing. It's the same thing. Here, listen, what does the Bible say? These signs will follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Has anyone here ever laid hands on the sick, and they have not recovered? Anybody? Ever laid hands on the sick, and they haven't recovered? I've laid hands on the sick, and they died. I used to think I had the ministry of just killing people. (laughs) Seriously, it seemed like everybody I prayed, prayed for got more sick. The fact that my experience doesn't match up with truth doesn't make truth any less true. The fact that I'm seeking the kingdom of God and I've been given the kingdom of God doesn't mean that I don't have it. There's many things that you've been given that you haven't yet accessed yet. So you've been given righteousness. Say, I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. And I'm seeking his righteousness. So there's areas of your life where you're living from righteousness. You're living from the place of righteousness. But yet there's times in your life where you become aware that you're not living out everything you should. And that's the moments where you seek righteousness. So there's moments where you say, yeah, I got that. I'm living the right. That's this, I'm demonstrating what God looks like in this situation. And then there's times where you go, man, that's not exactly how God would have done this. So what do you do in that case? You seek his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, I'm not seeking my righteousness. I'm seeking what his righteousness looks through me. And how does that look? It looks exactly like Jesus. Jesus demonstrated this. Because the Bible says when Jesus was taken to, the, to be baptized... John the Baptist came and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus said he wanted to be baptized. John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to tie your shoes. How can I baptize you? And he said, we must do this in order to fulfill all righteousness. And so he was baptized. Therefore, he fulfilled what? All righteousness. Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. He was without sin. He lived as a man without sin. He lived with the Holy Spirit inside of him without sin. He knew no sin, but he became sin for us. He fulfilled all righteousness. Yet we know that he struggled with righteousness. Where do we see it? We see it in the garden. Jesus is in the garden. And what does righteousness say he should do? To fulfill all righteousness, he must go to the cross. He must be beaten for our sicknesses. He must take our sins upon him, and he must die as a sinner, and he must be resurrected in, in a newness of life. He struggled with this, and what did he say to his father? Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will— but your will be done. What are we seeing there? We're seeing that Jesus, who is righteous, he's fulfilled all righteousness, is still struggling with his own will. And what does he have to do? He has to make an exchange between his will and God's will. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Father, not my will, but your will be done. So just because you're righteous doesn't mean that you won't wrestle with righteousness. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 6, you're no longer a slave to sin, but you've been made a slave to righteousness. And no one can be a slave unless he obeys his master. Which means that there's, there's a force in you called righteousness that seeks to enslave you to the will of God, and only when you submit to the will of God, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And this happens to us all the time. Perhaps it happens in a moment, and we don't realize it when a, a thought flashes through our mind, and we have the ability to either take that thought and dwell on it, a negative thought, a fearful thought, a sinful thought, an impure thought, and we just let it go and say, not my will, but your will be done. And sometimes the wrestling is a little bit longer. Was, if someone hurts us, if someone offends us, sometimes that wrestling to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is, takes a long time. I remember about a year ago, I, was, I found myself in the middle of this wrestling and it was someone had called me and they 'd left me a voicemail. And I sent it to voicemail because I didn't want to talk to him, first of all. And I shouldn't have listened to the voicemail. I probably should have just, you know, followed what the Bible says. That, you know, sometimes a soft answer turns away wrath and no answer is even better sometimes. (laughs) You know, so maybe it's just better to send in the voicemail and hit delete. (laughs) But I listened to the voicemail and I thought in my head, I'm going to call them back. And this is what I'm going to say. And it was not righteousness. So I dialed them back, and it rang, and just before I went to voicemail, I hit end. I ended the call. I'm like, really wanted to give them a piece of my mind. (laughs) Called them again. It rang only once. I hit end. I couldn't do it. What's going on? My will wants to give them a piece of my mind, but righteousness is compelling me. Righteousness is trying to master me. Righteousness is trying to bring me in. And so I knew exactly what was going on. In fact, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to give you one more chance, all right? (laughs) And so I said to him, "I'm, I'm going to call this person. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to feel really good for like 30 minutes. Like, whew, that felt really good. And then I'm going to feel really bad after that. And then I'm going to call them back and I'm going to apologize. (laughs) I'm just telling God. I don't know if anybody else talks that way to God. But I'm just like, just so you know, I'm planning out my sin very, very methodically here. Like, just so you know, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to sin. I'm going to feel good about it. Then I'm going to repent. Well, first I'm going to feel bad. Then I'm going to repent because godly sorrow leads to repentance. So that, Just so you know. But... (laughs) The 30 minutes that I feel really good about it is going to really, wor- really be worth me having to repent later on. I actually did the calculation in my mind. I'm like, yeah, I think it's going to be worth it. It's definitely going to be worth it. <laughs> I'm willing to apologize just for that 30 seconds that I, or that 30 minutes that I feel good. Is that twisted? Of course it's twisted because that's the way your mind thinks. Your mind thinks I can get out of this. Your mind thinks I can have my cake and eat it too. Your mind thinks I can sin and, and, and okay, it's going to be okay. But righteousness doesn't think that way. And so the Lord said, why don't you ask me what I want to do? Because you told me, okay, you told me what you want to do. Why don't you ask me what I want to do? I said, okay, what do you want to do? He goes, I want to give you what I want to do. I want to give you the desire to do what I want to do. Well, you haven't told me what you want to do. Well, give me your desire, then I'll give you mine, and then you'll know what I want to do. That's not fair. Like, that doesn't work for me logically, Tell me what you want to do. Because if you're going to say, like, you want me to give them an offering or something, I don't want to do that, okay? If you're going to say you want me to call them back and give them a prophetic word, no. No, the Lord didn't want me to just get something from him. He wanted to make an exchange. And so I said, all right, Lord, here's what I want to do. He said, give me what you want. I'll give you what I want. I'll give you my desire. Give me your will. What did Jesus say? Not my will. Not my will your will be done. Could it be that it's that easy? Could it be it's that easy to submit to righteousness, to submit what God wants to do? Paul's telling us that God has made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but there's something that we have to do. Go back to verse number 14. For Christ's love compels us, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. In the original language, that word all means all. Therefore all died. That means the person you're sitting next to is dead. Turn to the person next to you and say, you dead. You so dead, I don't even need to use proper grammar. You just dead, right? Right? You dead and he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again so you know what here's what christianity is christianity isn't that jesus died so that you can have a great life christianity is that jesus died so that you could die and you don't have to live the way you used to live and you should no longer live for yourself because he, you weren't created for yourself. You were created for God and others. If you look at Adam's relationship in the garden, everything he did was for others. He walked with God. He prophesied to animals. He, he fellowship with his, with his wife. And everything that happened, it was all about other people. And the first thing that happened when Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says that when they ate of the fruit of the tree, their eyes were open and they realized or they saw that they were naked. What was the first thing that man did when he sinned? He saw himself self the first thing that sin does is focuses you on yourself it's for self-preservation it's for self-pleasure it's for self-promotion it's all about yourself that's why the first thing that Jesus did is he killed you he killed you that's awesome I'm dead so I don't live for myself any longer. And, and this isn't just like, you, no longer, you should no longer live for yourself. You're living for yourself. Stop living for yourself. No, this is a promise. God, thank you that I no longer live for myself. Thank you, I don't, I don't any longer live to have the best lane in traffic. I don't any, for any longer live to be the first person in the gate. I don't live for myself any longer. I don't live to make the most money. I don't live to have the best reputation. I don't live for myself any longer in every way. So they don't live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised again. Why? This is the key for it. Identity right here. Identity comes when you die to what you're not, so you can live to who you really are. You see, because there's there's not two yous that were created. There was only one you. But there was one you that you were born to be, one you were created to be. And here's what verse 16 says. So from now on, we regard no one, From a worldly or earthly or a temporal point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. What is he saying? That because of this, because I no longer live for myself, I don't regard anyone from a worldly point of view. That means anyone. Anyone. That means when I look at someone, I, can't, I don't have any right any longer to judge them for who they were born to be. I only have the right to look at them and say, God, who did you create them to be? Yes. I no longer have the right to judge them for what they did for me. I have to judge them or look at them through what Jesus did for them. I have to look at them that way. And he says that we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. He said, though once we regarded Christ in this way. Now, Paul's talking to an audience that that in the contemporary culture that Christ lived in, and so people did look at Christ. It was a mindset they had to break. Jesus came from Nazareth, nothing good comes from there. Jesus came from a woman who got pregnant before she was married, so his legitimacy as a child was in question. Jesus came from a carpenter's home. So people judged Jesus from a worldly point of view, and he said, we once did, but we no longer judge him that way. Now, you and I wouldn't have a problem judging Jesus that way because we just know him as the Messiah. I mean, we see him. He's cool. He's Jesus. He's perfect. He's like, every guy wants to be like Jesus, right? Every picture I see of him, he's got this awesome Jesus hair. Seriously, he's like, doesn't have to condition it. Doesn't have to blow dry it. It, you know, flutters in the wind. Even when there's no wind, it's, a woo, you know, he's got Jesus tan, Jesus muscles. It's Jesus. But what if we found out Jesus didn't look that way? Like what if Jesus wasn't like ripped and cool hair guy? What if Jesus, you know, what if they found like some, a cave with, you know, old pictures of Jesus and the the cultural icon of the day in the Roman culture was Caesar. Did you ever see Caesar's hair? It's like my dad used to give me a bowl haircut. He put a ball on his head and they cut around it. It became like the haircut of the day. What if you found out Jesus had a bowl haircut? I'm just saying, are you okay with a Messiah with bad hair? I'm just saying. (laughs) Think about it. You say, that's silly. Well, yeah, it is a little. I mean, Jesus was trained as a carpenter. What if in that cave they found like Jesus' early carpentry and they found out, oh, Jesus was a terrible carpenter. Like, Like, are you okay with a Messiah that can't whittle? Jesus was a horrible carpenter. Would that change your opinion of him? See, that's silly. Well, why is, it, why is it not okay to think of Jesus that way, but it's okay to think of yourself that way? It's just as silly to define yourself by your bad haircut day. It's just as silly to define yourself by your failed carpentry, your failed tr- actions, your failed tries, your failed attempts. Because he didn't choose you because he looked at you from a worldly point of view. He chose you because he saw you in Christ before the foundation of the world. He saw you through the blood of Jesus. That's all he could ever see you because the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. So he could never see you as anything but a son. You say, well, I wasn't always a son. No, but that's what he always saw you. And prophecy is seeing people the way that God sees them so that they could become what God created them to be. And we judge people by their faith background. We judge people by their economic background. Judge people by their ethnic background. And God doesn't look at any of that. He just looks at them as sons and daughters who haven't yet been discovered. And if we get to discover them, you know, we were, I was doing a conference. We were teaching on prophecy and healing. And, you know, I tend to be the prophecy guy. So God puts me in these prophetic situations. And I was, it was a Friday night. I'm up in my hotel room and I'm getting ready to preach. I just walking around talking to God, praying, have worship music on most likely. And I happened to look out the back window of this, the hotel where I was staying at is in Jacksonville, Florida. Right outside my window is the, the, the pool for the hotel. And there's nobody there. It's a cool evening in Jacksonville. There's nobody at the pool, but I see this picture, this vision. And what I see is this young man, he gets into the pool to the shallow end and he walks over to the deeper end and then he goes into the deep end and he goes down. He's immersed completely under the water. It happens twice, literally within like a second. I saw this picture, flashed through my mind twice. I forgot about it, went down and started to preach, had a great service. It was probably about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Everybody had finished praying for one another. We had taken testimonies. I had everybody standing and said, we're going to pray. We're coming back tomorrow morning at nine o'clock for worship, more training. Out of the corner of my eye, I looked in the back corner, there was probably about 500 people there that night, all the way in the back, the young man in my vision. Wow. I said, wait a second, you, sir, you in the back, I saw you, young man, I saw you in a vision today, can you come down, I want to tell you about it. So everybody's still standing, he comes to the front, stands in front of me. I said, here's what I saw today, I saw you walk into the shallow end of the pool, you went into the deep end, and then you were completely immersed. And I thought, in my mind, I thought, I'm going to say something really profound. And then all I said was, well, God's, it just means that God's going to take you deeper in the things of the Spirit. And I thought, that wasn't a very good prophecy, but everybody thought it was great. So they clapped. I think they just wanted to go home, so they clapped. And so they, <laughs> He went back and sat down. I started to pray again, and the Holy Spirit said, stop. I want you to ask if anyone wants to give their life to Christ right now. So I stopped. I said, just keep your eyes closed. I just felt the Holy Spirit said there might be someone here. Never given your life to Christ. Anyone want to give your life to Christ? One person out of the 500 lifted their hand. The young man that was just standing in front of me. He was all the way back in his seat, lifting his hand up, waving, and he had to jump up so I could see him. I'm like, um, come on down. So he comes and he stands in the front. We lead him to the Lord. He prays a prayer. People clap. We receive him into the kingdom. And then he looks at me and he said, Can I get baptized in the hotel pool tonight? And then I I said what I a lot of times say when I prophesy, duh. (laughs) That's what it meant. So about midnight, we had a a baptism in the hotel pool in Jacksonville, Florida. He gave his life to Christ. Isn't that cool? But the Holy Spirit's such a great teacher. We went out for lunch the next day, him and his cousin. They'd come from another country, and this country they'd come from was, was another faith. They had another faith background, and so... I asked him, what, you know, can you tell me your faith journey that you had? And he said, well, we come from a family that worships many gods. We have a temple to many gods. And uh, he said, two years ago, one of my family members came to Jesus and I thought Jesus was just another God. So I walked by the temple one day and said, Jesus, if you're one of these gods, I want to know who you are too. And he said, it led me on a journey. And two years later, here I am. And I just gave my life to Jesus. And I said, that's an incredible story. Thank you for sharing it with me. We connected him with some people in their country that have a faith community they got connected with and gave him a Bible. And I went back to my hotel room and I wanted to have a conversation with God. Uh, We talked about having conversations with God. Here's what I said to God, God, I missed it. I need you to help me. I want to grow. Because that young man was standing in front of me and I didn't know that he worshiped many gods. I gave him a word and I didn't know what it meant. And I almost sent him out of there without becoming a child of God. I need you to help me to hear more clearly because I almost missed that. Here's what I heard the Holy Spirit say, completely unexpected. He said, you didn't miss it. You got 100% right. He goes, I can't show you him as worshiping other gods because I've never seen him as worshiping other gods. I can only show you him as I created him to be. And I created him to be my son. So I showed you what it looked like for him to be born again. For love compels us that when Christ died, all died. So that those who live no longer live for themselves, but the one who died for him. And when you told him how I saw him, you gave him permission to be what he always was, a child of God. That's amazing. That doesn't mean... That doesn't mean that he was a child of God when he stood in front of me. It means that's how God saw him and he needed someone to tell him how to become what God created him to be, what Jesus died for him for. And when we begin to see ourselves no longer from a worldly point of view, that what will happen is we become an ambassador for Christ because he says that this is from God who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The word reconciliation is a big word that just means it adds up. It equals the same. And he says that through Christ, that God reconciled the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. That's the Bible. Not counting people's sins against them. That means God's not looking to judge the world for their sins. Let me go out on a limb here. God's not looking to judge America for abortion. God's looking to answer the prayers of those who say, God, let mercy triumph over judgment. Yes, do people reap what they sow? Yes, they can reap what they sow. But God doesn't want them to reap what they sow. He wants them to reap what Jesus sowed. And Jesus reaped what you sowed on the cross. He became sin for you. So you don't have to reap what you sow. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. And so God, through Christ, has reconciled us to himself, which means that through Christ, you add up to what God sees about you. You add up. Look at the person next to you say, you add up. That means when God looks at you, he doesn't see something missing in your life. He sees what he wants to give you that Christ has already paid for. He looks at you and says, man, I want to show you what I've made you, what I've created you to be. And when you constantly look at yourself from a worldly point of view, you say things like, well, that's just my Irish temper. That's just my German stubbornness. I'm not picking on ethnicities, I'm picking on my own because I'm all those things, right? So that's just my whatever you want to call it. And, and from a, if we look at ourselves from a worldly point of view, we we'll always define ourselves a certain way. When I was a child, I had a lot of trouble with anger. I thought God was mad at me, so I was mad at the world. I grew up in the church and I just thought there's nothing I could do to please God, no matter what I tried to do, no matter what I did. I could get saved every single week and I did, twice some weeks. Because between Sunday morning and Sunday night, you could do a lot of bad stuff. (laughs) So back in those days, we had church Sunday morning and Sunday night. And when you're in my church, you got saved both times. Because you did a lot of stuff that you need to repent of. So I I remember I would punch holes in my walls. I had so much anger in me. I had scars on my hands. And I didn't know why I had so much anger. I learned out later on in life why I had so much anger. It's because I grew up with three sisters. (laughs) True. I had three sisters in one bathroom. I was an angry little boy with a big bladder, all right? And I love my sister, especially my middle sister. She was learning to be a hairdresser and she would like she would use me as a model. I called a guinea pig, but she called it a model, you Bobby, you're gonna be my model. What does that mean? Oh, I'm going to show you something new I just learned. I remember one day she said, I learned something new at school today. What is it? It's called a perm. <laughs> a what? Well, a permanent. I said, what are you going to do? She goes, I'm just going to fix your hair. I said, is it going to stay that way? She goes, no. I said, then why is it called a permanent? So she put me in a chair and she had this little studio in her bedroom, had a, had a mirror with a swivel chair and things like that. But this time she turned my chair away from the mirror. So I couldn't see what she was doing. It should have been my first clue. And then she duct taped my arms so I couldn't leave. <laughs> and she started spraying this stuff on my head. It smelled like skunk juice or I don't know what it is. I said, what is that? She said, it's a solution. I said, it smells like a problem. <laughs> start putting curlers in my hair, and she put this big pink dome on top of my hair with heat, Thought my hair was going to explode like Michael Jackson in a Pepsi commercial. YouTube it, if you don't know. And so, I'm like, what's, she takes, a, takes the dome off, and she starts pulling at it, and she starts blow drying it, I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, I have to pick it, and I have to blow it. I'm like, your nose, my hair, what are you so it's still, I'm still not looking in the mirror, I'm still facing away from the mirror, and she goes, that's just about right. And I, she turns me around and... Did you ever see one of those troll dolls? You know? <laughs> like one of those pencils where you go like this and the hair like, that's what I look like. Except my hair wasn't orange, thank God, it was just... It happened to be church night, like Wednesday night, we used to have church. We had like a Christian Boy Scout group, they were called Royal Rangers. It wasn't anything royal about it. I don't know what Rangers was, but all I know is these guys never read 2 Corinthians 5. <laughs> so they looked at me from a worldly point of view. <laughs> so I walked into church, elementary school student, and one of my friends points at me. and goes, ah, you look like a poodle. I'm going to call you Fifi. And I just, just a knee-jerk reaction. I just, boom, because I would just punch when I got mad. I just, boom, punched. Knocked out a tooth. Next week, he came back and said, ah, I got a quarter for the tooth. Boom, I punched him again, knocked out the other one. <laughs> for years, I just felt I had this knee jerk reaction like, if I heard the word Fifi, I was like ready to fight, you know? I just was afraid to go to parks in case, like, a, a little woman walking her dog. Fifi, what? It gave you some 5 fold ministry. I was angry. I would go to the altar every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, particularly Sunday nights. That's when we had the altar calls. In those days, altar calls were to go and just think about how bad you were. <laughs> Seriously, it was. I mean, it was best intentions, but it's just, it's the way I interpreted the gospel was that if you felt bad enough long enough, God would believe that you felt bad enough long enough. He would forgive you. Until the next time you sinned, and then he wanted you to feel bad enough, long enough, and then he forgive you again. Yes, godly sorrow leads to repentance, but you weren't called to live a sorrowful existence. You know what I mean, godly sorrow is this: godly sorrow is not repenting as much for what you did as for not believing who you really are. So yes, we say, "Yeah, I, I'm, God, that's not who I am. I'm going to, I'm going to now pursue the righteousness of God, who I am." I would go and pray, God, take away this anger. I actually. I would, when I got my first job as a teenager, I would get my paycheck every two weeks. I'd go to the bank, I'd take out my tithes, my passbook savings account, I'd take off my tithes, I'd take off a little extra money. I'd buy a book. I still have Kenneth Hagan books because they were little and they were cheap and I could afford them. Five bucks. The Kenneth Hagan Faith Library. And one Sunday, I went to the church bookstore and there was this book, black book with red letters that said, What to do when the temper comes. And I'm like, yes, finally a preacher who has anger issues. You know, he can help me. And so I took it home. I was in my bedroom reading it. And it's, I'm probably 17 years old, reading the book. And it's talking about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. It has nothing to do with Jesus getting angry. Jesus isn't swearing at the devil. He's not throwing stuff. And I, I turned the book over, I looked at the cover, and I had read it wrong in my haste at the church bookstore. It said, what to do when the tempter comes. So I threw the book on the floor. I stomped on it. It's a stupid <laughs> book. Got really angry at Kenneth Hagin just for a moment. Then I repented. For years, I was a pastor. I was a pastor at a, at a board meeting, which I, that's why I left pastoral ministry. Because there were too many people that were bored and wanted to have board meetings. And so, and I remember just getting so angry one night and pounding my fist on the table. And I realized I can't be a pastor and have anger issues. And I left that meeting and I took a drive and I went out to the woods in Pennsylvania. I talked to God. I said, God, I can't be a pastor with this kind of anger. You have to take this anger from me. And it was the first time that I allowed God to come into my heart and and listen to truth. See, truth is what sets you free. Here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, Bob, I I can't take that away from you because I didn't give it to you. What you have to do is receive who I am because I'm love and love is patient. Love is kind and love is not easily anger. See righteous pursuing righteousness isn't trying to get rid of what you're not. What you're not was killed on the cross 2000 years ago with Jesus. The analogy of the little angry boy that I was, that little angry boy was crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago on the cross. But because I was still looking at myself from a worldly point of view, I had no way of seeing who I really was. And that was, I'm just like my father, who's patient, who's kind, who's long-suffering, who's not easily angered. And I needed to realize, most of the time, the character traits that we lack are things that we have not yet experienced from God toward us. So I was lacking long-suffering, not easily angered in my life, because I felt that God was angry at me. But when I experienced the kindness of God that leads to repentance, I realized what I need to do is I need to receive the nature of God in that area. If you struggle with self-control, you need to realize that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You have the Spirit in you, so you have the fruit of that Spirit in you. And so what you're lacking is an invitation for you to experience that very trait of God in your life. Look, if you need to hear the voice of God in your life, what's the best thing to do? To sow the voice of God to people. If you're in a place in your life where you feel like God's kind of silent when you're asking him questions, that's when you go and you encourage other people because you sow the voice of God, you receive the voice of God back in your life. When you're in a place where you're at lack, that's the worst time to not give. It's the best time to give because when you experience that character trait of God towards you and through you, you get to experience it towards you. And God wants us to experience everything that heaven has for us. And so he says, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Because God reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. That means that we get to tell people God's not mad at them. And when we give them a word of reconciliation, when we tell them what God thinks about them, we align them with what God says that they really are and allows them to be aligned. So here's what happened several months ago. It's probably... I think it was may of last year maybe june we were in pennsylvania i was doing a conference robbie actually was at the conference with me and a couple of other friends and i think it was a friday or saturday night i think it was friday night uh, i was preaching and we actually people were in the front just worshiping at the end and we were just doing some uh, ministry to one another and i stopped as as a, and looked at the people as the people were just worshiping and there was a young lady in front of me and i saw her name badge it was a conference with name badges and there was the word joy on it her name was joy So I looked at her. I said, Joy, look at me for a moment. I said, God just told me that he's given you back the joy of singing in your life. And when I said that, Joy fell to her knees and she began to weep. And I'm like, man, that must have been a really good word. Because if people cry, it's either a really good word or a really bad word. They're like, I don't want that word. Or... But it was a really moving moment. The Spirit of God was moving. Here's what I heard myself say. Enjoy. God's touching the joints of your body right now and he's healing the the areas of your joints where you've had recurring pain. God's reaching into your stomach, and he's healing digestive system problems. He's healing things that have been food and, and allergy disorders in you. God's reaching down into your internal organs, and he's pulling out endometriosis. And the doctor said, you'll never have a child, but God says, you'll have two. And Joy, just, she just kept weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. And we just began to worship. I didn't ask her to come up and test it out, because really, how do you test out some of that stuff? So... <laughs> Just saying. So we just prayed and worshipped. You know, here's the deal. Is that sometimes you don't get to have the testimony. But you get to have the assurance that the word of the Lord will not return void. And you need to take that in your life as well. That when God promises you something, it won't return void in your life. So... The next day, I'm with my daughter. It was a Saturday night. We finished the conference. We're walking through the parking lot. I hear footsteps behind me. I'm getting ready to fight or flight. You know what I mean? They're gonna hug somebody, I'm gonna punch them. You're in a dark parking lot at night. Turn around, there's a guy running at me with a yellow piece of paper. He said, Bob, wait, wait. He said, I'm gonna give this to you. It's from my friend, my fiance. He said, Joy. Joy's my fiance. It's her testimony. I have this right on my desk in my office. I was carrying it around for a while. She says a memory, but it's starting to get worn. So I put it on my desk. I want to laminate it. It's a two-page story. Here's Joy's story. She said, when I was 12, my parents separated. I came from a broken home. I stayed with my mom, but my mom would take me to bars to sing karaoke because it would attract men to her. And so singing became a twisted thing for me. I used to love it, but I didn't love it anymore because it just became weird for me. And she said, so I haven't sung since I was 13 years old. She said, I developed um, severe problems with my joints. I've had knee surgery. I've been diagnosed with celiac disease. She said, even in the church service, I was actually in severe pain. Wanted to leave because I was having digestive problems because of something I ate at dinner. She said, the doctor just three weeks ago and uh, diagnosed me with endometriosis. Said, I'll never have kids unless I have surgery. And she said, when you said the words, God's giving you back the joy of singing. She said, I felt the power of God come into my knee and burn out every bit of pain, every bit of of inflammation, every bit of the effects of surgery. I felt the power of God come into my stomach and take out that digestive problem right like that. And she said, for the last three days, she said, I've been having severe cramps and pains because of endometriosis. She said, I've been having people pray with me in between sessions. She said, I was immediately healed. And when you spoke the words... God's giving you back the joy of singing. And I thought, man, I just learned something about God. He didn't heal her because of the word of knowledge. He healed her because of the message of reconciliation. God's aligning you back to who you were, Joy. What was taken from you when you were 12 years old has been given back to you. And what was taken from you when you were 12 years old started to affect your body. What was taken from you when you were 12 years old started to affect your physiology. What was taken from you when you were 12 years old maybe even put a fear in you of reproducing and not being a good mom or not having a good family. And so God says, this is who you are, joy. God's restoring back to you the joy of singing. And with that, he's healing your body. He's given you a promise for your future. He's given you a message of reconciliation. God's not mad at you. Let me tell you something, that's the best job in the world. And that's the job that you and I have been given. Because when we can see ourselves not from a worldly point of view, we can look at others and help them to see themselves the way that God sees them. And I believe that tonight... That God wants to bring freedom for you to give you back who you really are. To give you back the joy of singing. To give you back the understanding that you are a son, you are a daughter of God. To give you back the understanding that God's not mad at you. And I believe tonight that when that happens, what Jesus died for, what Jesus paid for on the cross is going to be crushed. What Jesus paid for on the, on the cross, that endometriosis will be crushed that celiac disease will be crushed. That fear of singing will be crushed. That pain in the joints will be crushed. That anger will be crushed. That a lack of self-control will be crushed. That addictions will be crushed. That fear in the night season will be crushed. That suicidal spirits will be crushed. Why? Because God never gave those to you. They died 2,000 years ago with Jesus on the cross. You are a new creation in Christ. All the old things have passed away and everything's become new. And tonight is a night to celebrate the new. And tonight is a night for the the old to die once and for all and never be resurrected again. Amen? Amen? Amen. Stand with me to your feet. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I thank you for the message of reconciliation. God, I thank you for the message of identity. God, I thank you that our identity is that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I thank you that our pursuit is that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we make an exchange tonight, God. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands out in front of you whatever you have to put in your hands that doesn't belong to you, that God didn't give you. So so for me, it would have been anger. For joy, it might have been fear. Whatever it is for you, maybe it's something that you need to give up, an addiction, a habit, a thought process. You put it in your hands. We're gonna make an exchange. Jesus had to put it in his hands. Father, I wanna run. Father, I don't feel like dying for these bums. Father, I don't wanna be beaten. Father, I don't wanna become sin. That's what I want, God. That's what I desire. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So God, right now we put it in there. And I see in the spirit, and I'm not looking anywhere at anybody. I'm looking in the spirit that God's taking, he's taking uh, depression. He's crushing it on the cross. He's taking anxiety disorders. He's crushing them on the cross. He's taking addictions, chemical addictions, emotional addictions, sexual addictions, pornography addictions. He's taking them and he's crushing them tonight. And he's saying, you're gonna take my righteousness tonight and you're gonna pursue my righteousness tonight. So God, we make an exchange tonight and we say, Father, say, Father, Father. not not my will, but your will be done. Now I want you to turn your hands over, flip them down. We release it right now, God. We just declare right now those things were put on Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. We say depression and anxiety goes in Jesus' name. We say right now chemical addiction. We say bipolar disorder goes. We say these emotional diseases that affect us in our body are gone in Jesus' name. We declare right now it's broken in Jesus' name. I declare suicide is broken in Jesus' name. A self-harming spirit is broken in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, God, I thank thank You right now. I thank you right now that things that happen in our life that we allowed to identify, we identified ourselves with, are gone in Jesus' name. God, I thank you. The voice of anger is broken in Jesus' name. I thank you that even the the natural voices that came into our life that were angry voices of authority figures are being quieted and being replaced by the love of God that says he no longer holds our failures against us in Jesus' name. And we declare right now in the name of Jesus, it is finished. I declare right now, Satan, you're finished in their life. You're finished in their minds. You're finished toying with them. You're finished messing with them. You're finished in Jesus' name. God, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Now, I just want you to lift your hands up like this to the Lord, open them up and lift them up. God, now we say, not my will, but your will be done. Say, Father, Father your, will be done. your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your, kingdom come. your righteousness. In my, in my life, everything you paid for, everything you, for. Everything you died for, you died for. I, give you I, I give you everything that I was, and I take everything you are, everything you are. fill me, fill me. In, Jesus in Jesus' name. Come on, Holy Spirit, come fill right now in this place. Wow. 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 Thank you for freedom, God. Thank you for fullness of joy. Thank you for freedom, God. I thank you for happy deliverance, God. (laughs) Thank you for happy deliverance, God. Holy Spirit, come. Just love your people, God. Show them how happy you are with them, God. How amazed you are, God. How so amazed you are, God.
2: <laughs>
0: God, I thank you. My gosh. I just saw this weird picture. I saw like different people's closets. And it was like, there's no skeletons in your closet anymore. It's so cool. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> and some of you have like a lot of shoes too. <laughs> some of you have them lined up, really. You're like, whoa. <laughs> and there's someone over here that you got all your clothes in colors like this and then that. That's a little too much for me to see. So. A lot of red. OK. Thank you, God. You're so pleased with us. Just put your hand on the person on your left and your light. Lord, just, just, just say, "Lord, fill him, God. Fill him. Fill him with your joy. Fill him with your presence. God. fill him, God. So pleased. Yeah, so pleased. Yes, God! Yeah. So you're starting to see yourself the way he sees you. Pretty awesome, huh? No longer see yourself from a worldly point of view. God, would you show us what we look like to you? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So he tells us who we are. Therefore, you are Christ's ambassadors. That's what he says. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf Be reconciled to God, which means you've been reconciled and you need to live reconciled. See, when I came to Cincinnati, I had to turn my watch back an hour because I had to reconcile my time to your time. Otherwise, I'd be asleep right now. What happened when Jesus came, he reconciled you to heaven. He changed your clock to the time zone of heaven. You no longer have any right to live on East Coast time. You live in a heaven's time. And so now you have to be reconciled, live in the right time zone, live in the right earth zone, live in the heaven zone, because that's where you've been born from, that's where you've been conceived, And that's where you're seated and you live from. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So God has reconciled you to the time zone of heaven. You add up to what God says through Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Give three people a high five and say, you add up. And take your seat. All right. So... All right, here's what we're going to do. We have some prophetic um, ministers that are going to come. We've had some prophetic artists that have been doing artwork while we've been having the worship. Can we give God thanks for the creative spirit in this uh, house and great people? So they're going to come up and share. Van, are you going to do this? Are you going to leave this? Who's going to do this? you going to do it? All right. Come on, give Wilson a hand as he comes up.
1: Come on up, Susan. We'd love to hear. Awesome. Susan's amazing. She's a second-year student in our School of Kingdom Ministry. So here you go, Suze. That's the first time I've ever called her Suze.
3: <laughs> I knew when he was 10, so I can let him do that. Um, Kendra helped to write kind of the... The prophetic words with this, and so this is kind of a compilation of her words and mine. Um, Step into the light. Heavenly worship transforms us. Our identities are more fully revealed when we worship. As heaven comes to earth through our worship, we make ourselves ready to be the bride of Christ. Worship with a heavenly focus is like a dress rehearsal for eternity— as we worship, all of creation is worshiping with us. And the scripture Kendra found is from Revelations nineteen six through 7 Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad in him, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready.
1: Awesome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, this painting,
1: this is Cammie, by the way.
2: Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, I felt like God was saying like, um, we're like staring at this magnificent picture, which is like our future and our hopes and our dreams. And we're like, we're sitting there looking at it and we're just like, oh, it's so beautiful. And like, but he wants us to like get up and like touch it and like interact with it and just like step into it. Like, it's not just to look at, it's true and it's real. And like, he wants you to just go out there and pursue it. So that's what I was feeling with, um, this art piece. Yeah. Um, I do, and I can't not see her right now. I don't know where she is. Um, I kind of felt like it was for somebody, but she was sitting right next to that gentleman in the, the orange T-shirt with the scarf, and she had, like, an orange pullover. Oh, on the that side, yeah. Oh, well, um, I'll find her after <laughs> I guess. <laughs> And, um, yesterday when I was painting this, um, I felt like, um, God was saying like, we can't see clearly unless we look through his lens. So unless we're looking at what, what his eyes have for us and who we are, we can't see ourselves clearly or where we're going. So everything else is out of focus. Like it's just fuzzy. It's kind of there, but you can't see like as sharp as if you're looking through God's eyes. So it's like keeping your perspective on God's heart for you so you can always see the picture. So.
1: Yeah. I don't know what we're doing now Here you go, Van Okay, uh, it's been a great evening, hasn't it? Yeah, let's all stand, okay? Yeah Just, just thank Bob just, Let's just uh, thank him, yeah Thank you, man Thank you All right. I want to remind you, uh, be the first out there at the table and uh, pick up some of the materials because it's all like this. It's going to bless you. It's going to help you grow. You can read it, listen to it, and then pass it on to somebody else and it'll bless them too. But uh, let's just pray. And um, then uh, we'll see a bunch of you tomorrow. Okay. It's going to be a great day. But uh, Father, thank you so much for the revelation that uh, you've given to us tonight about who we are and how you view us and uh, how you've changed us and what what you've made us to be. And we want to walk in that and just pray right now, Holy Spirit, blessing uh, on every person here to walk in this and to live it out and to walk it out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.